0: Being known and loved with somebody who's not gonna leave next week or next year, there's a safety of that where you can take your mask off and be vulnerable and be real because you know, this person is committed to love me unconditionally.
1: When you think about Greek life, Christian faith might be the absolute last thing that comes to mind. But we not only believe that it's possible to be Greek and Christian, but also that it's the best way to experience Greek life and grow your faith. We have real, honest conversations about how to approach Greek life from a Christian perspective, including things like recruiting and pledging, drinking and drugs, sex and dating, leadership and philanthropy, and much more. This podcast is by Greeks and for Greeks. Our hosts and guests are all members of fraternities and sororities who collectively have decades worth of experience living out their faith in Greek life. Welcome to the Greek and Christian Podcast
2: hello everybody welcome to another episode of the greek and christian podcast Uh, if you're just joining us as you heard in the intro this podcast is all about the intersection of faith and greek life Uh, And if you follow us on Instagram, you know that we asked for your thoughts on this season of the podcast, and overwhelmingly, you all wanted a season on sex and relationships. Uh, So during this season of the podcast, we've been having real conversations about God and sex. So we believe that God created sex as a good gift, and we believe that God created in us the desire for relationships and for sex. So we want to dispel the myths about sex and Christianity and get to the bottom of what God really thinks about sex and relationships. And if you've been listening in, so far we've talked about hookup culture, dating, singleness, and sexual assault, just to name a few of the amazing episodes we've had so far. Uh, And today we're welcoming back a past guest. So if you listen to the first episode of the season where we just really give an overview of what God thinks about sex... uh, you heard from Mindy Meyer. So Mindy is here, which is so fun with her husband, Bill. I'm going to say hey to them first, and then I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about them. But hey, Mindy. Hey, Bill.
1: Hey. Hey.
0: It's great to be with you again.
2: I know. It's so great. And so I talked Mindy up last uh, episode she was on. So just a little refresher. Mindy is an Alpha Chi Omega alumna from the University of Illinois, and she's actually one of the founders of Greek Varsity. So she has been loving and serving Greek students uh, for a number of years. And with her today is Bill. And so I'm going to share a little bit about Bill for us today. So Bill also went to the University of Illinois, uh, and he is a member of Phi Gamma Delta Fraternity, commonly known as Fiji. And uh, Bill went to, so se- both Bill and Mindy went to seminary. I didn't mention that about Mindy before, but while they were in seminary, Bill got his Master's of Divinity, um, and he was on InterVarsity staff for five years. And then he served as a pastor in many different places. So basically all college towns, Ann Arbor and uh, Champaign-Urbana and then Chicago, which Chicago has many universities, uh, but is a city in its own right, not just a college town. Right. It's the Cubs town. Am I right, Bill? You're right. <laughs> that's right. Bill is a Bill huge
3: Cubs.
2: That's that's right. Bill is a huge Cubs fan, um, and he also what I love about Bill is he's been a lifelong learner. So Bill has his doctorate in marriage and family counseling, and he's him and B- Mindy have really used uh, their love for God and their love for healthy relationship and marriage to bless. Um, those in their congregation and those around them. And so uh, for, for uh, a number of years, Bill has provided premarital counseling um, and he currently, so he's retired, which is so fun. Both Mindy and Bill are retired and, but they are still active. Don't think that because they're retired, they're sleeping on life. They're not. Um, and so Bill has been teaching a class at uh, Trinity Evangelical Seminary in Chicago Um, for pastoral counseling. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Awesome. And then him and uh, Mindy have both led uh, classes and retreats for engaged couples um, and have just made it their life's work to really, I mean, pastor the people around them and and support them in their relationships. So we are very excited uh, to have both of you here today.
3: Good to be here.
2: I asked Mindy this question last time, Bill, and I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, Bill, what's the worst advice that you've ever been given about sex and or dating?
3: Well, prior to meeting Mindy and prior to uh, becoming a follower of Christ, I was in a three-year re- relationship uh, with a woman uh, from my hometown, uh, semi-long distance because she was a uh, at University of Indiana, and I was in University of Illinois. Uh, She was a member of the Delta Gamma sorority there, by the way. And uh, all of a sudden, I got a letter uh, that she had found someone else. So my my life uh, went crashing and reeling. And uh, the advice of my fraternity brothers is to go out to the bars and find another woman.
2: Oh, and man, I, that
3: wasn't doing it. I, I was depressed, frankly. I'd lost 30 pounds. I wish I could do that today, but not that way. Uh, <laughs> that, but I, I had lost 30 pounds, and uh, frankly, they didn't know how to deal with what I was struggling with deep mm-hmm. within, um, especially uh, issues um, uh, about God or anything. So yeah. uh, that was their advice. <laughs>
2: Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a lot of people, you know, that that's how they think, well, the best way to get over a relationship is just to, you know, have a bunch of rebounds and yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd love to hear from you two. How did you meet? And you, either of you can tackle this. I bet you've told this story many times. And so how did you meet and why did you decide to get married?
3: Well, after that breakup, I am eventually, um, wandered into the nearest church after an all-night drinking binge and found the Lord. And uh, after that, I was pretty zealous about my faith. I joined a campus uh, ministry uh, small group uh, for guys, but I also joined a co-ed Bible study church. I noticed in that group um, a, a very great-looking woman with blonde hair wasn't Mindy at this point.
0: I'm girl um, number three in this, okay? So far, we've had the girl from Indiana. But anyway, go on. So this was <laughs>
3: Melanie. Her name was Melanie. She happened to be a member of the Alpha Chi sorority. And uh, to I got up the courage to ask her for a date. She said yes. So I was all excited, went to the sorority, found a, a piece of paper uh, tacked to the door, which said, uh, uh, dear Bill, I am so sorry that I can't go out tonight. Uh, please call me tomorrow morning and I'll explain, Melanie. So I called Melanie and found out she'd gotten engaged.
2: Oh <gasps> Bill, okay, I gotta <laughs> pause you. That is like the equivalent of getting broken up with by text. Like I just <laughs> that's wow.
3: Absolutely. She got engaged. What? So yeah. So she said I've got um a roommate that i really think you would like to meet her name is mindy mueller and this is mindy so uh anyway i kind of uh blew off that advice since i didn't think she might be the greatest guide to relationships so
2: <laughs>
3: so uh af- after that um the pastor of the church i'd wandered into had been uh developing a relationship with me through discipleship and um uh, and I've shared this crazy story with him. And he said, well, have you ever thought about asking uh, this woman out? And he pulled out a piece of paper and it was Mindy. Um, everybody should have been say, saying, take some time off from relationships, but they weren't. Uh, so anyway, um, I've heard about Mindy again. He gave me her phone number. She had done some childcare for them. And then finally, I went to my men's small group, shared this crazy story with them. And the leader of the group said, have you ever thought of asking out Mindy Mueller? So that was three times. I got it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, then I called her up.
0: So from my end, I was roommates with Melanie. And you know, in sororities, how you, you know, share belts or purses or whatever. And She's like, hey, this guy asked me out, but I I can't go out with him since I'm engaged now. But actually, I think you might get along really well with him. I want to set you up with this guy. He's just become a Christian and he's a member of the Fiji fraternity. And I'm like, Shut up. That's like an oxymoron Fiji's were the wildest fraternity on campus, and he's become a Christian. So I went out with him kind of out of curiosity to see if the grace of God could actually rescue and save a Fiji. So that was how we, you know, we were basically set up by mutual friends, I guess.
2: Wow. So that must have been so interesting. You know, Bill, being a fairly new Christian, Mindy, I don't know where you were at spiritually, but it sounds like you were also really plugged in with the church. And well
0: um, Lord, I've been a Christian about a year so let, yes. let's not make me out to be a spiritual judge. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
2: so you're you're both fairly new both, followers yeah, of Jesus.
0: Yes, yes. So, we can
2: you share a little bit like what was your pro, like what was it like dating and then why did you choose to get married?
0: Well, I think one thing is we had a lot of alignment in that we'd both come to the University of Illinois as partiers, joined the Greek system in the bars four nights a week, and then we both had been pretty radically committed to Christ, and I think we really wanted to share our faith with our drinking friends, so Bill had a Bible study with his fraternity brothers, I had a Bible study with my sorority sisters, and I think that kind of alignment of wanting our life to count, wanting to do, go on mission, and we just found in each other a kindred spirit. So I think besides falling in love, there was a connection with our longing to reach out to non-Christians. We're still like that at our Chicago block parties. We're mm. somehow drawn to the irregular people that other people might be like, oh, my gosh, they're so far from God. It's like, no, we love those people. Those are our people, mm. you know. So I think the other thing is we just had this common thing of both of us wanting to go into the ministry.
3: Yeah. Mm. And frankly, we had a lot of fun together.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Doing all, doing all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, university towns are fun places. So
0: mm-hmm.
3: we would uh, go to movies, go to parties and you name it. There were different mm. kinds of parties. But yeah. yeah, but we both also valued family, um, had the same values overall, um, even political alignment, stuff like that. And um, we, we also just felt we were better together as a team than they were individually. We have very complementary personalities, as you've probably already observed. Uh, Mindy is full of energy. I'm more laid back. And uh, that worked for us.
2: Nice. I love how you shared, we work together better as a team. I think mm-hmm. that's a really beautiful picture of marriage. I'm going to ask you a little bit in a little bit what you think the purpose of marriage is, but I really like that vision for it because, you know, even, you know, before I was married and I was dating, it's just so easy to think of like me, 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 like what is marriage going to do for me? Um, and even like whenever you watch reality dating shows, that's what it's always about. Like, how is this person going to love me? Like, what are they going to give to Mm -hmm. me? You Mm -hmm. know, it's okay to like, have those ideas or ask those questions, but I think seeing it as a unit and a team um, is such a difference than maybe what our culture portrays mm-hmm. as as what marriage uh, is about. So, on that note, you know Bill and Mindy, you've spent so many years uh, delving into relationships and marriage. What do you think God's purpose is for marriage?
0: Well, you know, I would even hitchhike on what you just said, like, I think by our own human nature, we're very pretty much self centered, self absorbed. Like, what do I want? What do I, you know, how's this going to meet my needs? I think one of the purposes of marriage is to pull us out of that self absorption and change the word me to the word we, you know, like, and you start thinking not just about yourself, but about other people, your spouse, and eventually your children. But I think that's one of the big things is kind of the anecdote to that self absorption, that self centeredness. Um, You know, and I guess I would go on, too, and just we referenced this when you and I did the first podcast, but God's answer to Adam's aloneness, like God said, it's not good to be alone. We talked about how we not only have a God-shaped vacuum, but we have a people-shaped vacuum. And so we're hardwired for longings to connect and to be in a relationship. And I think marriage is the deepest meeting of that need. Yeah. And then
3: I would add that, you know, God longs for us to experience uh, deep and intimate relationships, first of all, with him, but also with one another. And that Genesis text in chapter two, uh, it's not good for man to be alone, uh, leads on to a marriage verse. Uh, yeah. Man shall leave his father, and mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. And he longs for us in that weaving together of lives in oneness um, to experience our deepest intimacy humanly um, with our marriage partners, spiritually, emotionally, and physically.
2: Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, maybe you and our audience are thinking like, Why are we talking about marriage and commitment when I'm like 19 years old and in college? But I do think that, and we're going to talk more about dating too, but that the way that we approach dating, you know, does have implications for our futures. Um, you know, it, not that, you know, we did take it crazy seriously, but I think there is a sense of we are designed for relationship. God has ideas about what those relationships look like and boundaries and guidelines. And so when we approach relationships, it is, you know, with a sense of mind of how are we honoring God with what he designed for those relationships. Um, Well, for you two, what has been uh, the best thing about marriage? I mean, you talk about, you know, God, uh, you know, designed us to have, uh, intimate relationships with one another. And I'll say this later, this is a caveat, but I think you can have intimate relationships with friendships. I'm not talking about sexually intimate, but you know, friendships and marriage and not everybody is called to be married. And we actually explore that in a couple other episodes this season. But I do want to hear from you all, um, what's been the best thing about marriage? Um, and what's been really hard about marriage? Hmm. I think for me, one
0: of the best things about being married, this idea of a covenant relationship where Bill and I and God are in this three-way covenant is the idea of commitment and and like permanence. In other words, being known and loved with somebody who's not going to leave next week or next Mm -hmm. year, there's a safety of that where you can take your mask off and be vulnerable and be real because, you know, this person is committed to love me unconditionally Mm -hmm. and to to know me and to stay with me. So I think that's been great just to be known and to be loved by someone who has a commitment for a lifetime. Mm
3: -hmm. I think also um, we really are uh, each other's best friend uh, through all the ups and downs of life um, and uh, can share most intimately with each other, which Mm -hmm. is super important. But um, just I, I just think, for example, Um, while we were raising teenagers, which is the most challenging part of parenting, um, both of Mindy's folks passed away. Mm -hmm. And to be with one another through uh, those ups and downs of that, uh, it's a precious part of our history. But, um, you know, it's it's being there for one another through that.
0: Well, and you use the word history. I think another thing is there's something really beautiful about weaving your lives together and having a shared history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've gone through so much together, whether it's COVID recently or death of parents a number of years ago or whatever, or surgery or medical problems. Like we've just been there for each other and we wow. have this shared history that ends up becoming very powerful as the years roll on. Wow.
3: Then jumping to what's hard about being married. Yes. Um, give give I, us the I, juicy
2: I, details, Yeah. <laughs> Um, Spill the, the tea. Hard,
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, one of the hardest things um, for us was um, me going through depression. Um, mm-hmm. My mother was clinically depressed, and I didn't really think a whole lot about this until later in the stresses of ministry stuff. And I hit some bottoms emotionally. And uh, Mindy wanted to save me, and she couldn't. And we had to mm-hmm. figure all that out. Uh, I was able to. You know, to get help through counseling, but also very honestly through medication, uh, which I consider God's gift. And so uh, that was a real uh, journey for us. And so uh, that that was probably, I think, the hardest thing for you, right?
0: Yes, I was. It was very hard for me. And I think one thing we were both kind of blind when this whole depression thing hit. I mean, it's funny. I had a master's in counseling, but somehow when you're in the middle of it, you can't see it all. It was things like that where we were just out of sync, out of alignment, and we're kind of blindsided. So I just think we learned a lot about depression and how to cope with it and the fact that I couldn't rescue him, that he needed some counseling, he needed some medication, etc. But I would say that was one of the hardest things. I think the other thing that was really hard for us is our family of origin are very different. Okay. My, my family are mostly German. And so we like start wars and we yell and And we're very volatile.
3: And my background is Swiss. We make peace treaties.
0: Yes. 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 So when we got married, I was like yelling and slamming doors and just very volatile. And he was just kind of like frozen. And I think we had no idea how to resolve conflict. So we had again we we've, we've gone in for marriage counseling a couple times, but one of them was for our inability to resolve conflict. We both were just replicating the family of origin, like what we saw at home without even knowing it, we just reenacted okay. the scripts from our our childhood, you know. So I would say we could give you a longer list, but I would say those are a couple. And like I said, we've been in for marriage counseling a couple of times. So if if we look, we've even say to our neighbors, if we're making this look easier, we're deceiving you because it wasn't. You know, there have been some tears and some hard times. But I think it was the commitment of saying I am committed to love you for a lifetime. I will go to God when my heart is cold and like stone and ask Mm -hmm. God to give me the love that I need to have for you, my marriage partner.
2: Well, you bring up some, some interesting things, you know, about family of origin and walking through really challenging seasons with each other. You know, this just occurred to me, this is not a question I sent to you guys ahead of time, but I am thinking many people in our audience are from families of divorce. I'm from a family of divorce. Um, it's, I don't know what the divorce rate is now. I know it's been for a long time around 50 percent, even within the church. And so I'm just wondering if you have any words of hope um, or encouragement to students who come from families of divorce who are maybe really afraid of marriage or commitment um, because of what they've seen growing up. um, Do you have anything you would say to them?
3: You know, uh, well, first of all, I would just say, you know, we do a We do a seminar on healthy relationships, but number one that we get people to uh, to, to think about is being self aware and uh, really kind of understanding how their family or of origin has impacted them and how that makes them feel. For example, if you saw the uh, the dad in the family just really shouting and raising his voice, that can be a trigger. Uh, in a re- in a dating relationship then when that happens or in a marriage or whatever. So I, I think that's really understanding some of that stuff is really good ahead of time. We were, frankly, when we got married, we got no premarital counseling. This was night this was 50 years ago, okay? Yeah. And, uh, and so we didn't really, uh, we've often said, I didn't really know fully who I was and we didn't know each other that well and so the more of that that you can get into, especially self-awareness, is huge. Mm-hmm.
0: The, the other thing I would say, Bill, worked, when he worked at Park Community Church doing marriage and family ministry, he worked with, what, 780 couples that were engaged, getting ready to get married. And that was on top Over of, nine years. Over nine years, yes. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you've worked, you have worked with over a thousand couples. I've helped with some. He's done most of them alone. But here's the thing I would say. You do not have to repeat your parents' mistakes. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I love is when couples say, our families of origin are a mess, A lot of divorce, A lot of brokenness. Can we make something new and beautiful and lasting? And the answer is a resounding yes. Mm. Through God, you can make something new. You're not destined to repeat your parents' patterns, but you have to start by being self-aware and then also saying, God, I need help. I need, how, how do I learn new patterns of communication, yeah. new patterns? But in some ways, I've been amazed at the motivation when couples say, I don't want my kids to go through seeing their parents divorce. I want a marriage that will last and I'm going to do whatever it takes yeah. to make that happen. They have, many of them have a resolve. None of us, that's what I love most about the Christian faith. We are not destined to our past. God makes all things new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If that was your baptism verse. I that remember was, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: I yeah. love that. Yeah, I think, you know, Mindy and Bill, I definitely carried with me um, this huge fear going into marriage. Um, I had a family member. I have a family member who just rages, um, who just, you know, you could you're walking on eggshells around this family member. Yeah. And so I was terrified that I would be that way in my mm-hmm. marriage. Um and I never wanted to be that way. And some of that I had to work through the fear and the shame I carried around anger and learning how to express anger um in ways that are healthy, but um you touch on this but therapy. Oh my gosh, finding a really fantastic counselor who can yeah. work through um mm-hmm. help you work through your family of origin um and bring healing to you has been the biggest gift in my life. Um as I you know, learn how to be a wife and a mom and a friend. Let's maybe rewind a little bit uh, because I want to ask, you know, when we asked for questions from our audience, you know, they did have a lot of questions around dating um, and around physical intimacy and relationships. Mm -hmm. And so what I would love, maybe this is from your personal experience or just as you've counseled couples um, and saw uh, looked through scripture. But, you know, if a student wants to wait until they are married to have sex, how do they go about creating boundaries that help them and their partner not have sex or not go too far physically before right. marriage? Yeah. And
3: I, I think the first of all, first of all, it's important to get alone with God and really decide on what your boundaries are beforehand. Uh, yes,
2: that's great. Before you're even in a relationship. Exactly.
3: Yeah. And a number of people have not really thought that through. So if they're on the couch watching a very romantic uh, movie, uh, which has some uh, some sex in it or whatever, uh, that's not a great time to decide, well, what are my boundaries? <laughs> <now?">
2: <laughs>
3: so so I, did, I think that um, that's important. And it, to Mindy's credit, frankly, not mine. Uh, she cre- she uh, um actually shared with me uh, boundaries that she had come to which i really respected
0: i think i think the other thing i would say i agree with bill completely i think it's helpful to avoid tempting situations like i remember one woman saying to me we both know that when we go to my boyfriend's fraternity we go up to his room we lock the door and we flop on his bed. We both know things are going to get carried away. So mm. I think a lot of times people have can make decisions to say, where could we go and have a meaningful private conversation, but in, it's public enough that we're not going to get carried away sexually. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that can be helpful even to structure your environment. Like if you say, well, I don't really trust myself and my own self-discipline necessarily, but let's yeah. structure the environment so that the temptations are not high. I mean, it's kind of like a someone who's an alcoholic in rehab, they're not going to go to the wine tasting party. You know, they just right. decide I'm going to do something else. So, but I, I think you want to think not only about what you won't do, but what you will do, like having mm-hmm. those heart to heart conversations. So much of marriage is that heart to heart communication and learning how to be there for the other person to be emotional support, yes. be the best friend or to share in the victory of, oh, my gosh, you got a promotion. Good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. but I think those heart to heart things and focusing on what you will do, not just what you won't do.
3: I think also I just add that that I think, in a in a dating relationship, the more physical it becomes, that tends to kind of overwhelm other aspects of the mm. relationship. That's kind of the easiest go to. And it can really, um, there, there's kind of an inverse correlation there where less meaningful communication, um, about important things is taking place. And, um, and so I think it's important, uh, that to realize there, you know, the, there needs to be that, that balance.
2: Mm. Well, that's a great segue to a que- specific question that we had from a listener. So there was a specific question that came through, um, and they wanted to know, you know, how do you cultivate intimacy besides just being physically intimate with someone? Mindy, you mentioned something about having those deep conversations, but I'd love to hear a little bit more.
0: Yeah, let's see. and the I think the heart heart communications is one of the great you know great ways to cultivate more intimacy. But I think it's it, you want to have a full orbed relationship too, where you're even serving together. I think that's one of the things also that bonded Bill and I. Remember, one of our early dates, believe it or not, was helping our pastor move from one house to another house locally. It was only a few blocks, but you know it's still a lot of work. But I think working together, and we've just found that to be like a le- Life It helps you weave your lives together. Like mm-hmm. even just this Saturday, we had a Welcome the New Neighbors party at our house here in Chicago with all kinds of people and our over 40 people came. But I think serving together, um, and I don't know whether that would be going on a Habitat for Humanity trip or serving at a you know homeless shelter or whatever, but I think there's a lot of ways to weave your life together and create that sense of um, kind of a common pride in who we are as a couple. But I think those are a couple of things besides the heart to heart talk and having lots of fun. Visiting each other's families is another huge one. You know, going to
2: someone's home and seeing their family is another really big one. Um, I think, too, as friend groups, the importance of, uh, you know, being able to hang out in friend groups. I mean, one of my favorite things when my husband and I were dating is we would go over to my friend Lauren's house with her husband. She was married and we'd have these big watch parties for the biggest loser. And so we just had <laughs> so much fun. Um, yeah. just hanging out together watching the weekly you know TV show wonder, wondering who was gonna get voted off who was gonna stay yeah. and, you know those are just really special uh, memories I remember I introduced him to my mentor in college because I really wanted to know her opinion um, yeah. and those are really fond memories for me um, yeah, and for so sure. yeah I think those are really special things you can do and I,
3: I guess the only thing that I, I'd add is is just kind of a practical thing there there are books out there and one yes. them is called 101 Questions Asked Before You Get Married. But but really oh. it's talking about, it's asking uh, you to talk about your family of origin and things like that. Or what what was one of the most embarrassing things that happened in your life? You know, I wet mm. my pants in kindergarten, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> and all the kids were pointing at me. But-
0: <laughs> We're but, still but, working you, for that yeah, issue, with yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: But, but I'm, I'm just saying, there's helps in, you know, in just giving you some things to talk about that get just help you get to know one another better. And it it adds to the richness of the relationship.
2: Yes, that's good. That's good. Well, we're getting towards the end of our episode, our time together. And so I'd love to hear if you have any final encouragement or advice as students think about dating and marriage.
3: Yeah. You want to start?
2: Or do you want to talk about healthy relationships? Well,
3: one of the things that happened, um, you know, we do pre, we did all kinds of premarital counseling seminars, but then we backed up Mm. and then had, should we tie the knot seminars that got at people before they made uh, the engagement decision. Um, And interestingly, some would say, wow, that was the, that's what we needed to move ahead. But Mm. just as importantly, others said, you know, after talking about this, that really, caused us to to um, halt, put a halt on a relationship. And it was a good reason to do so.
0: One other thing I would add too is, um, I think it's important to focus on character qualities um, that really prove themselves over the long haul. Like when you're mm-hmm. dating someone, ask. Would this woman be a good mother to children I might have in the future? Would this man be a good father? But I I think so many times it's a lot on the sexual chemistry and how impressive they are in that isolated moment of time. But if you can think about character qualities of what will this person be like to live with for 10, 20, 30, 50 years for character traits. I think so many times, at least I know I was probably more focused even on like, you know, just being attracted in the moment rather than thinking about character traits. But I think mm. if you can think about that as well.
3: One big thing I want to throw in quickly, I have to, is uh, is making sure if you are, if you do get engaged to get premarital counseling, a lot of couples yeah. don't, they're concentrated on the wedding and all this kind of wedding thing. Wedding
2: planning. But yeah. Um, yeah.
3: if you take a premarital course of four sessions or more, they've done studies on this, you're 30% more likely to have A long lasting and healthy relationship.
2: Wow.
0: Yes. I mean, and this, this goes without saying with this whole podcast, but seeking the will of God. I mean, if you're Mm. dating someone saying, God, is this the person you want me to marry? I want your will more than I want this person. Show me your will. Flash Mm. me green lights. If this is the right person, Flash me red lights if this is the wrong person. But I think that posture of seeking God's plan for your life, the will of God for your life, that's kind of a prerequisite for knowing and figuring out, should I marry this person? Because God knows what you're going to be like in five, 10 years, what this person's going to be like. Like, you'd be crazy not to tap into God's wisdom and sovereignty in such an important decision.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, this is a surprise bonus question but I realized this is also an important one. I'm kind of springing it on you, but I think this is a good way to end the episode. So our people listening to this, you might consider yourself a Christian, you might not, but for our students who do consider themselves to be Christ followers, how important do you think it is for them to marry someone else who follows Jesus? Um, Is that important or is it like, eh, not that big of a deal? I'd love to hear what you have to say about that.
3: Well, I... I'll start, Uh, I think it's very important. It's interesting when we do these, should we tie the knot seminars? One of the first questions is, um, do you share the same faith, you know? Mm. Uh, And where is your partner in terms of that faith? And uh, that's one of the biggest things that either gives green lights to people to go forward and or may stop the relationship. But Mm. the uh, the thing is, I, you know, I'm losing my train of thought, go ahead.
0: <laughs> well, everything everything in your life, your decisions of how to spend money, how to spend time, yeah. where to live, all that grows out of the soil of your faith. And so it seems like, I mean, besides the fact that scripture says, do not be unequally yoked, that a, a believer should not marry a non-believer. Um, but I think, imagine, for example, say a couple are dating, one's a Christian, one's not. The non-Christian says, hey, you can pursue your faith. That's fine. You know, I, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to go with you to church, but, you know, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. Well, what happens is later they get married, they have children, mom wants to take the kids to the church or dad, whoever the believer is, and the other one doesn't go. And the the family in some ways is sort of fragmented, Mm -hmm. and the parents have to agree, we won't have arguments about this, we have to agree that marriage, that our religion is not going to be something we argue about, let's set it to the side. But I think I've just seen kids grow up being very confused on, well, why does one partner say this is the most important thing in their life and the other partner doesn't share that? Like, yeah. it's just, it's really hard. I feel mm-hmm. like whatever your most important thing is, make sure you share it together, whether it's yeah. football or music or traveling.
3: And you help me yeah. get back on track. I, oh. <laughs> I think a lot, I think a lot of people feel, um, well, this person will come around later. Mm. Um, and that rarely happens. It might. Yeah but um pretty much what you have in the relationship then is going to be pretty determinative.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would I would say it's absolutely Im- an imperative and it's even scriptural. So that's why in some ways you don't need to pray about marrying a non-Christian. God's already spoken and said, "Do not be unequally yoked." So, mm-hmm. you know, Allison, I would love to just end with something that I wrote Bill on a Valentine's. Yes, you know, please. Oh, yes. I wrote this to Bill on Valentine's Day. Dear Bill, we often joke about our aging bodies, your baldness, the spider legs, the spider veins on my legs and the extra flesh we both carry around on our waistline. But over the years of our marriage, I've come to see our bodies with new eyes. There's a beauty that comes from weaving two lives together and having a shared history. Our history together is literally written on our bodies. The lines on your face mark times of laughter, times of tears and the depressions that we have walked through together. The scars on your knees remind me of your knee replacement surgery and our joy when you were once again able to take hikes with me and our dog. My spider veins that occurred during pregnancy are vivid markers that God has blessed us with four amazing children. My old and worn hands speak of household projects, the brick patio, gardening, refinishing furniture, all efforts to create a home for you and the kids. You have lost hair, but you've gained wisdom and humility. I've lost my once trim waistline, but I've gained a gentle spirit and a heart of compassion. I love your soul, but I also love your body. You are more attractive to me today than you were on the day we were married. Love always, your partner in pleasure, Mindy.
2: Oh, thank you for sharing that. That is really a beautiful way to end the podcast. Wonderful. Well, on that note, to our audience, you know, we have a slew of episodes all about sex and relationships. So if you just started with this episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to the others. Uh, the best way you can do that is by liking and subscribing to this podcast. And if you want more information about Greek InterVarsity, just visit us at greekiv.org and fill out the contact card on our homepage, or follow us on Instagram at Greek IV, and we'll be back with another episode soon.
1: The Greek and Christian podcast is produced by Greek InterVarsity, a non-profit college ministry for fraternity and sorority students. Our ultimate vision is to see every fraternity and sorority connected to a community of Greek Christians so that every Greek is just one friend away from knowing and following Jesus. To learn more, find a community on campus or partner with us. Visit greek.intervarsity.org.